Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Part two, Brian. Part two. Part two. <laughs> you know, I can truly say that I really enjoyed myself on Monday night. Yeah. And that, that show could have literally gone two or three hours, and we still wouldn't have gotten all of what we had to talk about out. <laughs> yes. Before You know, Brian, before we even got a chance to talk to Dr. Bede after the show and thank her for, and, you know, for the other authors that came on, I was getting emails saying, when is part two? When are you going to have part two? You guys cut it off just when I started learning about men. (laughs) (laughs) About the, you know, when we were talking about women not knowing their worth sometimes and men not knowing their worth. And you know what? It's a a strange thing when you get men and women together that can sit down and talk, you know, godly. You learn so much because you open up and you're not afraid to say, well, you know what, Brian, I'm weak in this area. And yeah. You don't have to worry about anyone attacking your weakness or coming down on you. You know, it's just a beautiful thing when we can, when we can all sit down and communicate together like that. You know, I, I totally agree, and I think it was just so important that people that were listening actually heard us not arguing about, oh, well, this is one way and that's another way, but that we were actually learning from each other. Yeah. You know, because you could – you know, some of the guests would say, wow, I never thought of it like that, you know. Yeah. So just that, that was just a wonderful way of dialoguing and teaching and learning from one another, you know, because not everybody has, all, you know, all the answers. But you might have one thing that I don't know about that I really need to know about. And so that's what made it so great that we could sit back and talk about, you know, those type of issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I had a wonderful time. I've, I've listened to the show probably two or three times, and like I said, I've been getting emails. Everybody's been emailing me talking about it, and it was it was just refreshing to be able to come on and just listen to the different views and and Brian the book girl and all, and people were <laughs> laughing about that. And you know what? That's just a a, a wonderful book, and that, that book is written by Lucretia. And you'll get a chance to talk with her in a little bit, and also Doctor. Dr. Bede and uh, Brian, I'm not sure who all we have on the line right now, but we, we're we got gonna a have bunch a good of people in. I, I don't know who everybody. I don't know everybody that's on the line. I didn't get a chance to check prior to the show start. Well, we, yeah. But we'll get it together. We're gonna find out who's on just a little bit. Yeah. But you know, Greg, I was talking to somebody today, and we were talking about just stuff that happens in the world, and. They were, they were. I think we were discussing the uh, the two little girls who got killed over in Oklahoma, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was saying, you know, what is this world coming to? And it made me think about how important what these authors, the Damascus Road authors, are doing. They're yes. getting that word out that would help people. Yes. You know, they're getting the word out that will 
encourage people, that will strengthen them in their weak spot. You know, they're they're putting their hearts and their souls and their time into literary works and to, you know, into things that will help nurture the spirit, nurture people around. And I think that's just a that's just great. Yes. You yes. know, because you you have a whole lot of people that you know if they're not put in that situation where they need somebody. They don't. You don't see them out there trying to do what these authors are doing. No. You know, no. you don't see them out there truly trying to affect change in life. You know, yeah. they're trying to put a book out there, make some money. Okay, put another book out there, make some more money. You know, and it's, and that book may not always have the best interest of people at heart. Mm-hmm. So it's just great that we that we could have some authors with substance that are you know on our show and you know in our stores. Brian, before it's over with, they're going to have to go on tour. Oh, yeah. Because they're, 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 every book, every one of the authors, all of us know somebody. We can connect with somebody and say, you know what, I know that person. Or I know this or I know that. We can all relate to uh, a character in the book. We can relate to it. And one of the authors said just the other night that some of the things in the book happened to me. And that's beautiful because, you know, being transparent when you're an author, you're letting people know, you know what, I've gone through this, you can go through it, and you can come out of it just as I did. Yeah. But at some point you're going to have to stand up and face your fears and say, you know what, here I am, let's go. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of being tired. I want to live the life that I was created to live. And the only way that you're going to do that is you're going to have to straighten your shoulders and look at whatever it is that you're faced with and go straight at it. Once you face that fear, Brian, everybody that I know said, you know, I was, I had to face my fears. I walked up to this brick wall, so to speak, and I faced it, and I tried to climb it, and I climbed it. And now that I look back, you know, everybody's saying, oh, is that what I was worried about? But, Brian, let's go ahead and bring the authors on because I know there's a lot that we're going to cover tonight. All right. Let's bring them all on at once, and then we'll just, just bring them all in. All. How about that? That's good. <laughs> all right, I think we have everybody in. Let's do a roll call. Starting off with Maurice Gray. Are you there? Right here. All That's right, good. Dr. Bead. I'm here. Lucretia Angel. I'm here. Kim Brooks. Kim is not with us. Wanda Campbell. Present. All right. <laughs> Jacqueline Thomas. Okay, well, I may have let some folks in that I wasn't supposed to. I thought I called off all the names here. but I <laughs> You just let everybody in. <laughs> uh, well, well I, I'm, I'm Sharon Ewell Foster. I'm another uh, oh, Christian yeah. oh, okay. fiction author. Well, I, you stay right there. Yes, good. Yes. <laughs> good, we're coming to you. Okay. Brian, I'm going to let you start it off. All right. Hold on. I'm writing that name down. Sharon Yule Foster? Yes. All right. Hello? Yes. All right. Brian, I think somebody else just came in. Uh, D. Stewart. Oh, D. D. Hey, hey D. Hi. We yeah, got D. all the authors on. That's just great. D, we, we're going to keep your mic live, so, so hang on, okay? Yeah, because I'm not really sure what number she came in on. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start off because this show is going to get fun real quick. Yes. 
I want to start off with uh, Maurice Gray. Yeah. So your book, I want to start off with the first book that you have listed, and it's To Home Much is Given. Uh-huh. You know, and I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, you know, as a male in this in this genre of Christian writing, you don't really see a whole lot of men writing Christian authored books, you know, or or novels or so forth. You know, so tell me, how does it, you know, what's your market? I mean, when you, when you wrote when you first decided I'm going to write a Christian book, who did you actually write the book to? Hmm. Well, when I first got going as a writer, I really didn't know there was such a thing as Christian fiction. I had to set out to write the kind of book, same kind of book that I like to read. So then when I started learning things about, okay, I guess I need a marketing plan, and I guess I need to figure out exactly who I think is going to read this book, I started thinking about people who, like myself, love to read, but... Once you get to a certain place spiritually, you can't just read everything. Right. Hmm. I yeah. tell you so. what. Yeah. You know what? Most of the men um, that are writing books is either some type of love story or some type of steamy, hot passion type of book. It just seems that, you know, from the title of your book, it, it's really deep. It, and it's almost like you're challenging men at some point. Is that what you're doing? I, I didn't really set out to do that, but that's really what it turns into. I'm challenging every anybody who reads the book, really, but men in particular, I would suppose, to not accept the limit that society puts on you in terms of this is what men are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, my like, to whom much is given has a little bit of all the different kinds of genres that I like to read. Mm-hmm. There's a romantic plot in there. There's some action. There's a little bit of suspense. And what I've heard is men aren't supposed to write romantic books that don't have a whole bunch of butt-naked people in them. That's the bottom line. So I'm challenging that particular theory. You know what, Mr. And Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've gotten really good feedback from people who have read the scenes that I have that do have romance in them and that don't have to go there, so to speak. So that's part of, I guess that's the real challenge in it. I'm not accepting the, the theory that if a man's writing a book, it has to be steamy, or it has to be really violent, or it has to be violent and steamy. Mm. Mm. What I was going to say just a few seconds ago, and please forgive me, I, I didn't know you were still talking, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think people really understand the struggle of men, the things that we have to deal with. You know, and and I, and and I say that because no matter what, the blame is always on the man because we're the ones that, and, and really, I, I, what I mean is we're the ones that's supposed to be strong at all times. We're the ones mm-hmm. supposed to correct all the things that are wrong. But there's a there's a side of us that you know when we just get tired, you know, the society is beating you down. And then if you come home, hopefully not, but when you come home, you're still getting beat down when you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you know how some people say, well, some women may say, and women, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just I'm just saying that when, a lot of times when a man is, is being beaten down, I, I, I don't think people really can connect unless you're a man. You understand what I mean, Maurice? 
Yeah, I do. I really do. I mean, what I'm what I'm thinking about in terms of being a man writing in a genre where there aren't that many men writing mm-hmm. that you have to be able to uh, you have to be able to understand that you can't worry about those particular things. You have to be able to let it go. For me, writing can be therapeutic as well as it's like just something I love to do. Because some I there's, I'll admit sometimes I can get some of my own stuff out on the paper. Sometimes I can start writing on them. Ooh, I didn't. Ooh, that's something I got to deal with. I didn't even know that was in there until it came out as a plot line or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's true. That's part of part of what I'm trying to do here is just give people an insight. Now, I can't speak for all men. I don't. That's a dangerous path, but at least I can let you know how this particular man feels and handles things. Just you can you can see that through my writing. Yes, yes. And I, I wanted Dr. B to comment on on what I was saying. For me, um, actually, I came across Maurice's book by accident. <laughs> um, one of the things that I learned was that when you're writing in a genre that you should read books in that genre. I was extremely excited when I came across his book because, first of all, it was written by a male. It was written by an African-American male. So we got the book and we read it. It was one of the most wonderful books that I had ever read. And I was in the process of writing. And at that time, what I did not want to do, I didn't want to be a male basher. I wanted to be able to show men who had a passion for God, because I know men who have a passion for God. I wanted to show men who, because of their passion, it showed in the way they loved their wives, how they raised their families, how they ran their businesses, how they freely gave to others. And I I told the Lord, I said, if you allow me to write, I won't do you wrong. I really wanted to show different characters. I was tired of the myth of the no good black male. Mm -hmm. We have men who have issues in every ethnicity. But the world has, has done a very good job of perpetuating the myth of the no good black male. And I'm not putting down my sisters, but I'd have to be honest when I say there are a lot of books that are written by women of color that help to perpetuate the myth. Mm -hmm. And statistics show us that what we consistently see, we tend to attach ourselves to. It helps to form a worldview, or it may heighten a feeling of something that has happened to us before. So it becomes a stumbling block to our being um, purged of that, to be able to forgive and to be able to move on. Mm. So I believe that it is our responsibility to show our men in a better light. But as we show them in that light, we also have to be honest. There's no such thing as a perfect man. Mm -hmm. So we have to give our men the opportunity to be men without fear of being viewed as being soft, as being wrong, as being on the other side of the gender. That is very, very important for us to do. I totally agree. Totally agree. You know, and a lot of times you'll see that, especially in our young men, because they haven't been a you know, and it's sad because in our in most of our African-American homes, and I speak as an African-American male, 
you know, they don't see a strong positive view of men. And, you know, their and their inner beings are trying to act out who they're supposed to be, but they don't know how to. And then what, you know, further, further you know, exasperates the problem is you have people who don't treat those men like real men. And so now you're, they're not seeing a real man, then, and the men that are that are real men are not being treated like real men by other people, so they have nothing to look to. I agree with that, and I think also the problem that we have is that we have perverted the definition of strong. Mm-hmm. Society says mm-hmm. we're hard. Yeah. We don't show emotion. Our self-worth is placed in our job our car, our possession, but we don't place that value on integrity. Mm. We don't place that value on love. We don't place that integrity on humility. Mm. That's powerful. And that's so true. Lucretia? I'm here. (laughs) We want to hear what you got to say. I agree. I think a lot of times... um, our men fall into the stereotypical category because that's what people expect of them. But um, also in Girl Now, I try to make sure that I also show men in a positive light. Yes, there was the abusive husband, but at the same time there was the loving husband. There was the man who started out doing things that were very wrong, but he gave his life to Christ. And, you know, although this is my reputation, my reputation is that I'm a dog. My reputation is that, you know, I've hurt this woman and now she hates me. At the same time, I'm going to tell her I know what prayer can do. You know, and to be able to come up from I once was this, but now this is who I am, and to be able to show that God can truly change the heart of a man, you know, when he sincerely seeks after God was very important to me. Because we have too many things on television, on radio, in books that shows our black men, oh, well, they're just in prison. They're just no good. All men are dogs. All men cheat. But that's not true. And so I was determined to show the other side of the man as well. You know, I want to bring in this next person. I believe it's either Kim Brooks or Jacqueline Thomas. And so if this is you, please let me know. Call her. Kim, Jacqueline. <laughs> All right, who's the caller on the line? Another you know number that's come in. This is um, Sharon Ewell Foster. Go ahead, Sharon. Okay. Um, I I did your show before, I think, with uh, D. Stewart. Yeah. And um, you know, just listening, I I think the the issue is not even just about a man or a woman issue. It really is about us um, being misled and confused about what it is that we really should be looking for in a mate. Because some of the things that you talked about earlier, about coming home and, and not being respected or being mistreated, or all those things have to do with um, a lot of times us not really knowing what it is that we're looking for. Right. And and one of the things I've tried to do in my writing is to not fall into the stereotypes that 
as a woman, what I ought to be only looking for as a man, this six foot five with huge muscles. I mean, that has nothing to do with a man's value. And conversely, the same thing for women. And, and to say instead, the Lord tells us what we ought to be looking for, what the signs are of love, and that is that a pa- person is patient and kind and meek and that, that whole list of things that's in First Corinthians chapter 13. But that's not what we're taught. We're taught to look for shoe size, dress size, and 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 a lot of times you find that repeated even in um, Christian fiction, um, but it, but it really is not the standard. I mean, it really what what Linda Bede, what Doctor Bede was saying, really is what we what we ought to be looking for. That we should be looking for men who are men of integrity, that are 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 men uh, who are not afraid to be meek or humble, and likewise for men that, you know, they should be looking for women with those same kinds of characteristics. You know what, I agree 100% with that mm-hmm. because, and, and Maurice and Brian can probably uh, vouch for what I'm saying, most men, a lot of men feel that when, they, when, they, when they're that way, when they're patient and when they're quiet and when they're, you know, just a, a listener, they feel like they're giving up their power. That that to them, that's that's a sign of weakness. You know, hmm. I, I I can agree with that to an extent because, you know, especially when what you've been around has been completely the opposite. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you've been around all the guys and all the guys expect you to be this type of person or you got to do this you got to be the one to beat your chest drink the beer smoke a cigar you know and hang out with the fellas and when you're not built and when you're not cutting that same mode you know they tend to ridicule you they want to pick at you oh you done went soft on us and see no man wants to be known as being soft <laughs> so, But the the greatest courage that we show is when we stand up and be what Christ wants us to be rather than what the world wants us to be. And and I I mean, there was a process that the Lord took me through to get me to understand that the men I should be attracted to are men that are like my father not men that are like the world. It's like the difference between David and Saul. I mean, Saul was supposed to be tall and handsome and all these other things, but he wasn't a man after God's heart. Whereas David, um, I guess if, if some people looked at him now, there were a lot of things about him that were soft. He was a musician. He wrote poetry. You know, he he was a a man of integrity, even though there were things that he did wrong. And um, and so I I think part of it is is us being willing to be courageous and to stand up and to be children of God rather than trying to be children of God wearing worldly masks. And and part of the reason that I even called in, I guess I'm kind of the 
godmother of Christian fiction. And <laughs> Linda, <laughs> Linda Bede has sent me email about about this interview, and also Wanda Campbell had called me. And, and part of the reason I called in was just to commend these other writers and to say to them, you know, I'm... I want to encourage you and and press you to stand up and charge forward and keep doing the right thing because you know we need to hear real words not not people that are that are spewing uh, bitter water along with their sweets so I I just I call to support and commend you. Yes, well, thank you so much. You know what you're right because what you're saying is. We need to change or some kind of way. We're going to have to redirect the way that we look at men and how we look at marriage and how we look at things and try to do it the right way. And one way to do that is, is you know, Dr. Deed has pretty much said that we need to go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and not just the way we look at men, but also the way men look at women. I mean, the, the reality is, bless my sweet brother's heart, some of the nicest men I know come into church looking around and choose her based on what her hair looks like, what her shoe size is, and her other numbers, and forget the, the real things, which go back to is she kind is she patient is she lovely does she put herself uh, does she put your needs before her own needs mm, that, that is that's so true Wanda are you still there yes I am I want to hear from you we need to hear from you too <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know, I just want to say amen to all my brothers and sisters um, I agree totally and Dr. B points out in her book you know, we need to ask God to show us that person's heart because mm-hmm. we're trained to look at the superficial stuff. Yes. Like everyone has said, you know, we look at the physical and then we look at the possessions and all these things that fade away. So we, and, and especially as Christians, we have to be go back to the basics like you said. You know, before we get so wrapped up in emotions, you know, not everybody that comes in our lives is in Lifetime. Yeah. And if we, yeah, when we're interested in someone, ask God, okay, what is the reason, the purpose that this individual is in my life? And if we seek God first and ask God to show us this person's heart and what is his will, that's the only way we're going to fix this mess with marriages and all these crazy relationships. And that's the only way we're going to find our worth is back to God. We want to get around it. We want to hear the self-help books and the motivational speaking. But the bottom line is we just got to get back to God. That's right. That's it. That's That's it. D. Stewart, are you still there? I'm here. You know I want to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Greg, before we we talk to D, you know, I'm going to tell you something. We've had about eight or nine different authors on here tonight, and the first thing that came to my mind was the Damascus movement. Now, I'm just putting that out there. Uh. <laughs> He's prophesying. I, I'm putting that out there. I, that's the first thing. Came. I actually wrote it down. After I wrote down uh, D's name, I put movement. <laughs> okay, now we're going to ask D. D, yes, yes. We want to hear from D. Um, Tell us, what do you think is most important 
about your your writing. Well, writing in this genre in general. What do you think the most what is do you think the most important thing is? What is the focus of writing in this particular genre? To write vertical, um and what I mean by that is writing um that a, a for a reader a, a reader connects personally with the story, the characters. Um and so they they get involved in this journey, and it becomes a personal thing. So as writers, we have to think of when we're writing, we need to set this story up where it's a vertical-type praise or uh, environment. We're setting up an environment for the person to not only go on this journey with a story, but to to edify um, their souls and to spend some time with God in the process. And... What these authors do is that we, we've been talking about men and um, going into relationships wrong. And <clears throat> I review for Romantic Times magazine, which is a secular magazine, but we ha- we have an inspirational um, section. Um, but it, it's such a stark difference between the titles I review that are romance and the ones that are Christian fiction or Christian romances. The stories that we write about are stories where we're showing people how to how to have a relationship or build a relationship that is starts out as an agape type love and then but it doesn't uh, the eros or that the lusty thing does not take them away from being vertical but having a personal relationship with God and all these authors are working very hard to do that and I think that's what's most important is we write we are the master's artists, and so we have to write as if he was writing these stories. That's right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I want to ask a question. I want to ask everybody. You, you can speak. Um, everybody can speak whenever. But do you think a lot of the the problems and, and the things that the decisions that we're making, do you think a lot of it comes from us not being patient enough to wait for that word from God to say, this is what I want you to write, or this is the person that I've chosen for you, or we're just trying to make things happen on our own and we make a mess. Do you think that's that's coming from lack of patience? Definitely. Mm-hmm. I see that all the time. I mean, I remember when I was still reading all the different kinds of books, I remember right after Karen McMillan had her success in Waiting to Exhale. Oh, yeah. I remember within the next two years, I read every sister girl hanging out, three, four, five women and their journeys, every kind of book like that that everybody wanted to be Terry McMillan, and none of them succeeded, not one. But I could tell them that reading those books, they weren't writing their passion. They were trying to write and get paid. And it wasn't working because they weren't, because they didn't feel that. That's not what they had. You could tell, you could feel every, every emotion she had in that book. I, I can tell you. I don't know her personally, but I got to know her through that book. I could tell what she that she'd been through something and she wanted to write about it and she did a good job. But I can tell that the that the copycat books that came out immediately afterwards, other publishing companies trying to discover the next Terry. Those next Terry's that I read, they didn't do it because that wasn't what they had to write. And I could tell. Uh, you know, I'm, Go ahead, I'm sorry, who's next? 
Um, adding on to that, as he was saying, that he could tell the emotions she was going through and the different books that were coming out, I would like to say the same thing for a while and to a degree is still happening is with our, our Christian genre. Mm-hmm. I had seen a glut of books that were coming out that were being touted as Christian fiction, mm-hmm. as um, the genre was ga- gaining popularity. But you could tell from the opening paragraph that this <laughs> was being written. Oh, it was being written because there was an opportunity for the Ministry of the Cash Register. I'm going to throw a little bit of the church in the background. I'm going to show you we're going to quote a scripture, and we're going to stroke that forbidden fire at the same time, and it's going to be all right. And God is that's right. And so we've had this conversation before. That's why I'm and, and 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 Linda is so right. And this is Sharon chiming in. Um, this past weekend, I was at um, a conference of first ladies in Dallas, and um, so many women came to the table because they're interested in reading and everything. But from just a, virtually every woman that came to the table, and these are first ladies, all of them talked about being burned by a book that they picked up that was supposed to be Christian fiction that was offensive to them. And I have just been just sick at my stomach and thinking and praying and saying, Lord, what can we do? Because, you know, I think in our our efforts to to be kind and try to be inclusive and try to include everybody, that we have not stood up and said, no, that's not Christian fiction, that's mess, you know. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and we're definitely not blessing God's people, definitely causing God to be offended, and... And, and and just in a business sense, ruining the market. That's right. You know, and, and so I guess I'm kind of throwing that out there amongst, because I, I think it's impatience. I think it's also greed. Yeah. I think it's also disobedience and not being willing to surrender your gift to God. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you surrender to him, there's some places you just cannot go. Because he owns the gift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be quiet and let you all talk. My <laughs> mother's quiet now. You all go ahead and talk. I just, can I, my name is something so key in terms of surrendering your gift to God. And I'll say this really quick and let others speak. But this it is a testimony, and it is also something to say to others, that as you are writing, you have to be in tune to the Holy Spirit. And Maurice knows this story. But I talk about how I was getting good accolades about the critiques that were going out till I got the big head, and I struck out on my own. But what happened to me is as I'm standing in praise and worship, lifting my arms to praise God, I clearly heard the Spirit say, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And I had a choice to make, mm-hmm. to humble myself, repent, and remove that or go ahead because it was going to be the hit. It was going to be the bomb, and my name was going to be everywhere else. Mm-hmm. I chose to be obedient to the Spirit. 
and we have to be. If we say that we're writing for God, if we're promoting under the guise of Christian, mm-hmm. we can't just promote and write under the guise. My pastor said um, on Sunday, Christian is the definition of who we are. But being a disciple is the function of who Christ has called us to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have to determine if we are going to be disciples of Christ That's right. in our writing. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. I want to I piggyback on that. This is Dee. Okay. This is Dee. Um, as a um, reviewer for, um, as a reviewer period, we have the, 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 I guess, I don't know what the word is. We have the autonomy to decide where the book is, a Christian, an inspired book, or mainstream book, and I, we, and I encourage, and I, I constantly talk about having more book reviewers um, out there because a lot of books slide into our department because the people don't know, and so and I, I spend a lot of time um, with with RT and with other places that I write for to say this book is an inspired book, so. We need to put that in another department, and you need to go back to the publicist and tell them. And I can tell them why. I have no problem with that. But um, also, when uh, another issue we have, particularly those of us who do review, is that we don't we don't want to tell the truth about the book. Because <laughs> a lot of us that review want to. <laughs> a lot of us that call ourselves reviewers really are authors wanting to get a deal. Mm-hmm. So we we review and hoping you know we get a deal eventually. And so we don't want to. Um, we don't want to burn any bridges, but we're not doing <laughs> our service. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, and 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 Dee, bless your heart for being transparent, and and the same for all of us. I mean, to different degrees, because I don't want so and so and so to be mad at me. Because I called them out and said, "Girl, you know this is not Christian fiction. This is this is church mess." And mm-hmm. and and, and Do we have you a know, and and and, and, and I erotica in the pulpit. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I mean, I mean, it's, it, it's porno with a Jesus logo. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so, and so, you know, I have this weekend. I think made up my mind that I'm not doing any more events where where it says Christian fiction. But I know that they are there are authors there that are doing that are writing church mess because my sitting there is like giving them a, a good housekeeping seal of approval that says it's okay. Us being present there, they're riding on those of us that are trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's important for us to stand up. And, you know, and this is not even my personality. I'm the one that's like, come on, everybody, let's get together. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm sickened about the way that we are. We're hurting God's people. We're hurting yes, His right. children, yes. and and you, and we're more interested in being men pleasers than God pleasers. Mm. And we have to stop it. It we That's just right. have to stop it, even if it means that we hurt some of our friends' feelings. That's right. 
you know, so, I, okay, I'm quiet again. <laughs> well, Hi, I just called in. Can I ask a question and make a statement? Sure. Yes. Who, who, Thank who you. I'm laughing. My name is Julia Thomas. Okay. This hey, has been... Hi, 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 hi. I'm going to make some confessions. When I, when I did my first book, I didn't know really what it what to title it, Inspirational Christian Fiction. I That was all just, can I just get the project finished? And what I will say is this. After I did my book and I connected on a small level with a lot of things that were supposed to be technically Christian fiction, I was very disenchanted. I think half of the problem that we have with it ongoing is because so much of it is focused within the church because it's 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 kind of like an ongoing perpetual gossip it's like it's in the church it's in the churches you know we all have issues in the church we attend but when we write and it's from the pulpit the preacher's wife the preacher's daughter the this the this it perpetuates it and it makes it that more more sensational now my book i will call it inspirational i will not i mean i won't call it christian fiction but the fact of the matter is is they didn't I don't think that they went anywhere toward the church. It was more like the love of God that they found because of um, relationships with their parents that were churchgoers or because they found a need, because they found out how they were living wasn't working and they needed to find God. I've read a lot just in my six months since I put my book out, and I've been really like, this is two steps from porno. This is not. I mean, (laughs) you know what's worse? What's worse is when I really got a call back. Here I am, new, nobody author, and I'm hearing the titles, and I'm thinking it's safe. I'm like, oh, pick up this book. It's supposed to be really good. And then the good sister of the church writes me back and says, girl, that book was nasty. And it's like, oh, well, I didn't read it. I just, you know, it was just in the circle. Don't laugh. It ain't funny when the, when the pastor's wife call you. You know, and you're trying to come to the church and sell some books. And they're like, no, we don't want to see you. We don't want to know what's in yours. But, I mean, I, I mean, I really have some things like that happen just going off of so-and-so's uh, Christian writer, so-and-so's a Christian writer, and then people who actually, you know, I mean, I eventually got around to them, and some of them I read, and I went, oh, my God, I referred this to so-and-so, you know, because it got a little bit too detailed. It got a little bit too personal. But I think a lot of it has to do because the covers create the sensationalism because it's about the pulpit, it's about the preacher's wife, it's about the deacon's daughter, it's about that. And people love the gossip, and so that gravitates them toward the negativity of us trying Mm -hmm. to get people to understand that God is love. And the only reason I could stand on the principle and allow my stuff to be entitled inspirational is because when the person who reviewed my book to tell me, you know, where we were going with it, she was asking me questions about it, and I didn't remember. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell her. She said, this was so special. This was such a great word. This is so inspiring. And I just looked and said, girl, I don't remember writing that. That wasn't <laughs> me. That was God. Because mm-hmm. the, when I started writing the book, kind of, it took on a whole other direction that I could mm-hmm. not bring it back from. And I just said, oh, well, let's just finish. But I knew that God was in it, and I felt okay because my objective was to get the non-believer on the QT to say, mm, maybe I need to go find Jesus. I didn't, I didn't market it toward church people. I marketed it toward everyday living. And halfway through, next thing you know, you're getting prayers, you're getting scriptures, you're getting all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And for the most part, it was receptive, but I'm real afraid to refer Christian fiction because I don't know who's legit and who might who might be a who might be a legitimate Christian writer and then turn around and write something that's not. You know, and you say it's, it's Barbara Boo Bland, and they go pick up a Barbara Boo Bland book, and it's porno. I mean, it was something altogether different because she threw in a couple of Christian books. So, well, I, I have real issues can I with that. Comment on that. This is Wanda. I love you. Well, I love you. Be nice to me. <laughs> no, no, she she brings up a very good point, and this is where you separate the entertainer from the minister. That's right. And all these things go on. We know what goes on in church. We know about the church mess. And it's okay to write about that stuff. But the minister comes in and they'll bring it out, but they won't leave it there. They won't sensationalize it. They will show deliverance from it through Christ. That's right. That's so right. that so we have a lot of entertainers writing. That's right. There, but we don't have a lot of ministers. It's, right. it's like I think Dee said earlier, there's a vertical thing going on. I'm, I can bring, I write about pornography and a lot of stuff that goes on in the church, but before the last period, deliverance has taken place. Right. And, it's, well, and at and no point is made to be that that's okay and that's just what we do. And and this is this is Sharon the Godmother chiming in with again. You you know I mean we tried we really try to play crazy okay, bless all our hearts we try to play like we're stupid. We know the difference between Barry White and gospel music. It's not difficult. It's not hard. I know come on over here, girl, is different from come to the altar. <laughs> okay, we, it's not that complicated, okay? And 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 I just say as as a as a as a minister uh, uh who has also been given opportunity by the Lord to write books that entertain, I believe God and I believe him so deeply that I'm not willing to play with him. That's right. Because I know who he is, I know that he's that he's loving and he's merciful, but I know he's also an all consuming god and and I'm not willing to play with him and pretend like I don't know what I'm doing that's right if if i you know bitter water and sweet water shouldn't come from the same place God said he he would that we were hot or cold, not that we were lukewarm and in the middle. So, I mean, you know, whatever we're big enough to do, go ahead and do it, but don't call God on it. Okay. Don't put his logo on it and make him look bad. We're supposed to be ambassadors of Christ, and I don't have to pimp God in order to make money. Mm. I mean, you know, come on now. I'm just saying let's just get real. And right. and and my days of being nice about it, of being, you know, of holding my tongue about it, those days are over. So if you want to know my, if you don't want to know my opinion, don't ask me. Because, <laughs> you know, because this is God's work. Okay, I, I'm, I'm like Maurice. I didn't even know it was Christian fiction before I started writing, but... 
what was pouring out of my stomach because I am a child of God, because I do love the Lord, because I do study his word. That's what was pouring out of me. And just like Wanda said, we should be able to talk about all kinds of subjects because Mm -hmm. all of them are in the Bible. We don't need to just focus on the church because the reality is a lot of us are working on trying to work out stuff in our own lives. It's 80 million stories to be told, but it's how you approach the story. I don't need to know the intimate details of somebody's sexual encounter in order for you to tell me a story. That's not storytelling. That's pornography. That's trying to get people to buy your book because you're titillating them. So I'm saying let's just be real. Let's not kid ourselves. And let's, as as, uh, uh, Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. Let's be real. And and stop playing. And if it needs to be a website that we put up that lists all the authors that are really writing Christian fiction, then let's put up a website that says these are the authors that are really doing it. And and I'll go so far as to be bold and saying these are the ones that aren't. And just, you know, and let's just be real. Yes. We have Christian. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you said it, I thought, Amen. Hallelujah. You know what? I, 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 this is Greg. I wanted to say this. I don't think people really realize the damage that they do when they put garbage out there because everybody is not the same as far as their faith level and what they believe. Absolutely. I, I spoke with a young lady today. And she didn't believe anything about Christ, God. She didn't believe any of that. So I can imagine if you put a book out there and that person don't know the Lord for themselves, you are really damaging and hurting that person. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, so many people try to act and be someone that they're not. That's right. So these, these, these writers, they... they, they I don't think they really understand that they're going to be held accountable. That's right. They, they may not be held accountable by society or man, but they're going to be held accountable because they're hurting so many people. That's Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. Have, whether, whether we like it or not, we are responsible for That's right. every word mm-hmm. that comes out of the tip of our pen. Absolutely. And we need not to be afraid. We need not to be intimidated by the response that we will get when we may say to someone, maybe this is not it. Mm-hmm. I've been in the situation where I've had to say, you have a good story, but we need to work on it. Yeah. Now, they, I've had many people say, I'm not going to change it. Because what they're doing is they're segueing off of, quote, popular authors who are promoting falsely in the genre. Mm-hmm. So what we see mm-hmm. is we see a little word here, so we'll piggyback off of that. Mm-hmm. We read a little theme here, so mm-hmm. we'll piggyback off of that. So we get a broader presentation of something that should have never been in print in the first place. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility. Okay. We're saying, this is me, this is what I'm writing. But see, God never looks at you as an individual. Mm-hmm. When he looks at you, he sees generations. Mm-hmm. And we will be held accountable for any of his lambs that we cause to stumble 
because we have tunnel vision. Amen. Amen. Mm. Amen, Linda. And 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 I'll just say this is Sharon the Godmother again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll just say that I have felt convicted because you know, I was the first one out of the gate, the first published successful Christian fiction author. And when it first started, everybody was sincere that was doing it. Angela Benson and, you know, and then ugliness started coming. And rather than standing up and going, girl, that's ugly, don't do it, Mm -hmm. I was silent like it wasn't my responsibility. Well, you know, Lord, forgive me, silent no more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is Lucretia. We all do have to realize the responsibility that we have, and we also have to realize that we're not just writing to those that are within the four walls, but the Word of God tells us to go out into the highway and the hedges and compel men to come unto him. So we need to write to where not only are we trying to, you know, address the first lady or the pastor or the deacon brethren, but we need to be able to have stories that can go out to that drug dealer or that drug addict and they find deliverance through the words on the pages because there are some people that may have never picked up the Bible to read, but if they can pick up our stories that are inspired by God that point and direct them to God, then they can find salvation even through a novel which will lead them to the Word. I've had several people uh, even with my book that have said, you know, as soon as I finished reading it, I found myself going to the scriptures. One lady said, you know, this is the first book I've ever read that immediately when I closed the pages, I fell on my knees and I prayed. You know, and that's what it's supposed to be all about. Not We should be writing not for money but for ministry. Not, uh, oh, well, you know, my sales were this or my sales were that or I'm numbered this on Amazon. But that's not what it's about. It's how many souls have we drawn to Christ. You know, we should be writing so that we minister to the soul that we may never see. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And the and the and the thing is that we also need to remember that we can minister to all of those people just like the Bible ministers to people at all walks of life. That's right. And it does it without ever being demeaning or vulgar. That's right. And we can do absolutely the same thing. We can tell all kinds of stories. You know, I got stories in in the Wild West. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, and 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 the Lord is still present and in there and I'm able to tell those stories and not be vulgar or demeaning. That's and, right. And, and and we can do that. We can do that. And and I think we have to set a standard for ourselves and then also set a standard for our brothers and sisters who who say this is what they want to do because there is a standard right. in gospel music right. and there can be a standard in what we do. That's right. Mm-hmm. This is D. This is D again. Okay. This is D again. Um, I agree with everything you all said. Um, particularly with when you when you're writing, you're writing when you're writing vertical. Whatever you write about, whatever the story is. If you're writing with with God in focus, it will never you will never get off course. 
That's right. And we're, what we have here is, because I'm also a Christie's Book Awards judge. I think I'm the only African-American. But what we have here is, particularly with African-American writer, Christian fiction, and, and then Christian fiction, is we're, we have, for African-American readers, most people may have Zane on the nightstand mm-hmm. and Jacqueline Thomas on the same nightstand. Mm-hmm. When it's a when it is a Caucasian Christian reader, there is nothing but uh, Karen Kingsbury or whatever on the nightstand. They don't cross over. Mm-hmm. Our culture, we kind of dabble. I'm gonna read a little mm-hmm. bit of this and then I'm gonna get a little word and I can go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so we have and what we because I, I I do have a site which is Christian Fiction Blog, and I try to to bring out books that are more inspired. Um, we have it is a constant battle with um, and bookstore China, going into bookstores and talking about um, what, why can you put this book in the store? Um, this book is a moody book, but I don't see the, the book on the shelf. And I've heard so many times the reason why. Family or life, uh, some of these bookstores don't have our books is because they assume that Christian fiction books written by African Americans have sex and all kind of stuff in it that they know their bookstore, the re- the, the merchants won't take. Mm-hmm. So we, so we have authors who write great, inspired works who don't even get get seen because we already have a stigma. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And this is hurting us because the people who need to see that we have. But we, there's a there, this year. There's so many. I've read so many great books by authors who are African American that have not that are not on shelves um, because of this. And then I have um, churches or bookstores and church groups who come to my site to find what books they want to do for their book club, and they have never heard of these authors before mm-hmm. because when they go into Walmart, they don't see the books. Mm-hmm. Because we're we're competing with, I ain't gonna name names, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it goes and it goes back to again the promotion that is being done. Those that are being falsely promoted and those booksellers, those bookstore owners are seeing those, so they are lump summing us all together, and we don't even get the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. but it, but I want everybody to. Uh, we're going to have to cut the show short because I want everybody <laughs> to make sure they get their contact information out because we are about getting your information out so that people know who you are. So we're going to start off with, well, let's start off with Maurice since he's at the top of my list here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm overhauling my website right now. So the best way to find out more about my writing would be through my MySpace page www.myspace.com slash write the vision mg. All right. And if that's too much of a mouthful, you can email me. Write vision two zero 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 at yahoo.com. And I can get you the information. All right. Dr. B? Um, my website, like uh, Maurice, is undergoing surgery. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it truly is. So, myspace.com slash Linda Bead and I can also be reached by email at Linda on assignment at yahoo.com 
All right. Lucretia Angel? My website is www.lacricianggelle.com. I can also be reached on MySpace at myspace.com slash author Lucretia and also author at lucretiaangel.com. All right. Wanda Campbell? My website is www.wandabcampbell, that's spelled like the soup, dot com. <laughs> <laughs> and my email address is wbcampbell at prodigy.net. All right. Next two, I want you all to do it really quick. we got about 30 seconds. Sharon? Um, I'll just give you the easiest one, com. <laughs> www.indianinmyfamily.com, and it'll link you to everything else you need to know. All right. Dee Stewart? Christianfiction.blogspot.com. All right. We got about eight seconds. We want to thank everybody for coming on the show. Please come back and join us on Monday as we'll have another powerful show. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you, and God bless. God bless. Good night. Good night. Good night. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.